This is between a doctor and a patient. Doctor, I have some good news and I have some bad news. Patient, what's the good news? Doctor said, the good news is that the test you took showed that you have 24 hours to live. Patient, that's the good news? What's the bad news? I forgot to call you yesterday. (laughs) Doctor and patient, I have some good news and some bad news. Patient, what's the good news? The good news is they're going to name a disease after you. The good news is they're going to leave, they're going to name a disease after you. You're a tough crowd. Oh my gosh. All right. Then there's the gallery owner and the artist. Gallery owner, I have some good news and some bad news. What's the good news? The good news is that a man came in here today asking if the price of your paintings would go up after you die. When I told him they that I thought they would, he bought every one of your paintings. The artist says, that's great. What's the bad news? That man was your doctor. (laughs) And just like Mike, who gives the bad news first before he gives the good news, here's one with, it's between a lawyer and a client. Lawyer says, I have some good news and some bad news. The client says, well, give me the, give me the bad news first. The bad news is that the, the DNA test showed that it was your blood they found all over the crime scene. Client, oh no, I'm ruined. What's the good news? Lawyer, the good news is your cholesterol is down to 130. <laughs> I know, I know. All right, so... Um, Micah gave his sermons, his oracles, in the 8th century, in the 700s, okay, B.C. I want to show you a little map, if that's okay. Here's a map of Palestine here. This pink area is Israel during this time. This is Judah. So it's, you have the two kingdoms. You have the northern tribe, you have the, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Way up here, outside the map, is Assyria. They will come down and they will take over this whole area. Actually, they will get all right around Jerusalem. Right there. And they will take over a lot of this area. And then they will go back for various reasons. One being that you'll find that in the book of Isaiah. And then just Judah is left. And then the Babylonians are way over here. Take over Assyria, they come down here. A hundred years later, they take over and they take Samaria and everybody gets taken away. Everybody gets over here. Now, if you look at this little dot where it's at right there, that is where Micah is from. He is from the southern tribes. The southern two tribes of Benjamin and Judah. So he, but his message is to all of Israel. He does not delineate between Judah and Israel. He calls it the house of Jacob and the people of Israel. And basically what Micah does is he really addresses not only the, not just the nations, but the two capitals. Samaria, which is the northern capital city, and Jerusalem, which is the southern capital city. Because he's addressing the leaders and how they have turned people bad, away from God. 
the leaders, he specifically calls out the leaders, the kings, the princes, and the priests and the prophets. Okay? And so today we're, we're going to take select passages from chapters 3, 4, and 5. Because chapters 1 and 2 is the first sermon that Micah gives. Chapter 6 and 7 is the third sermon that Micah gives. And so uh, 3, 4, and 5 is the middle sermon that Micah gives. Except Micah goes a little bit farther in the middle one. And that's the reason why we're going to look at it today. But there is a there is a an M.O. to Micah. What he'll do is he will come and he will tell the bad news. This is what's going to happen. And it's not like if you change your ways, this can be changed. He speaks like it's already going to happen. It's too late for you. He says that to Israel. He says that to Judah. When he talks to Jerusalem and he talks to Samaria. Because before, when we covered Amos, we covered Joel, we covered some of these, they said, repent. Micah never calls for repentance. I mean, it's sort of a given, but he never calls because it's already going to happen. It's already been established. Now, if you look in the the superscript of the beginning of Micah, it says that he he was a prophet under three kings. Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. These are the three kings of the southern tribe. Okay? Jotham was a pretty good king. He did not in, instill a lot of uh, reforms, but he was still a good king. He recognized God. Ahaz was a horrible king. He, did, he took on Baal worship and Asherah and Molech. And then his son Hezekiah, who brought a lot of reforms... So he is a contemporary of of Isaiah. Okay? He's a contemporary. He was the same prophet around that same time. But Micah's MO is he gives the bad news. This is what's going to happen, but it's not forever. God's going to return the people of Israel back to this area. And he's going to in Bring them all back together. You're going to be dispersed, but it's not going to be forever. The nation of Israel is not going to be gone forever. It's going to come back. This is the good news. They say, well, if you are during the time of Micah, well, it's not such good news, but it is, at least you know, it's not forever. And that's sort of what Micah does. He gives the bad news, gives the good news for the future, but... In this second sermon, he goes beyond that. He gives bad news, then he gives good news, then he gives the best news. And so let's look at these today. So we'll start in chapter 3, and we'll begin in verse 1 through 4. Then I said, listen, you leaders of Jacob, you rulers of Israel. Should you not embrace justice, you who hate good and love evil? who tear the skin from my people and the flesh from their bones, who eat my people's flesh, strip off their skin, break their bones in pieces, who chop them up like meat for the pan, like flesh for the pot. Then they will cry out to the Lord, but he will not answer them. At that time he will hide his face from them because of the evil they have done. 
This is the part where Micah is calling out the leaders of Israel, calling out the leaders of Judah, and he's saying, you treat the people like pieces of meat to be taken advantage of, stripped and sent on their way. They have no meaning to you. They treat them like butchered meat is is, is what he is insinuating there. The language there is that these are people you treat like they're on the market. Oh, this is good people, good eating. Has no concern for the poor, no concern for anybody. They're just trying to get their own piece of the action, as the case might be. And Micah calls them out. This is what God sees, and he's angry at you for doing that. In fact, he's so angry that if you cry out to him, he will not be around for you. Because he's not going to be a God that is part of your duplicity. You call out to me, but your life looks like a pagan, looks like a butcher. That's what Mike is doing here. He calls out the leaders. Because they were expected to be better. They were expected to be the example. They were expected to turn people to Jesus. And then he gets to the prophets. Verse 5, this is what the Lord says. As for the prophets who lead my people astray, they proclaim peace as if they have something to eat, but prepare to rage war against anyone who refuses to feed them. Therefore, night will come over you without visions and darkness, without divination. The sun will set for the prophets and the day will go dark for them. The seers will be ashamed and the diviners disgraced. They will all cover their faces because there is no answer from God. But as for me, I am filled with power, with the spirit of the Lord and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression, to Israel his sin. So after he calls out the leaders, he calls out the prophets. These were the paid prophets that said, oh, nothing's going to happen to us because we're we're God's people. Nothing's going to happen to us. We saw this a little bit in Amos when Jeremy talked out. He had people telling Amos, go back to where you live. Don't preach this. God, God's got this. We're going to take care of us. And these prophets know that if you give bad, you're not going to get fed. So they give them good news even though it's bad news that's coming. And God holds these prophets accountable because they are deceiving the people. They're telling them what they want to hear rather than what God wants them to hear. Can I tell you, that is, that's a big deal. And that's something that Jeremy and I and John hold very dear. We want to make sure that we speak the words of God and not what we think the words of God say. You know what I'm saying? We try to do it unabashedly. We want to say, this is what God's word says. When you say, hey, I think you're wrong, blah, blah. Don't argue with me. Argue with the word of God. Because God will hold the teachers higher in accountability. And at this very point, Micah is saying, you prophets, you're not doing. And because of that, and then he compares himself. I'm filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, so I'm just going to speak the words of God. By the way, these other prophets that were not speaking 
they never found their way into the scriptures. Do you know why? Because Moses said it for the prophets. Those that say something's going to happen, and it doesn't happen, it doesn't come from me. But if they say something and it happens, it's because I'm with them. And that's important. Because later on, you see that Micah is still being used. Because everything he said that would happen so far has happened. A hundred percent. The thing for a prophet is if you're wrong once, you're not a prophet of God. You have to be right a hundred percent of the time. If you're hearing from God. So that's the bad news. He's calling out the leaders. He's calling out the prophets that were having their own gig but not paying attention to God. And then chapter 4 is the good news. I mean, there's still a little bit of bad news in 4, but then he gets to the good news. So let's go with chapter 4, starting in verse 1. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and the people will stream to it. Many nations will come and say, Come, let's go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between many peoples and will settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. And they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Anyone will sit under his own vine and under their own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid. For the Lord Almighty has spoken. All the nations may walk in the name of their gods, but we will walk in the name of the Lord, our God, forever and ever. In the last days, this is one of the famous things, the prophecy, in the last days. Eventually there is going to be a time when everybody will be going to Jerusalem because the king will be there. This is messianic language. This is going to be the eternal place where we go. And Micah is seeing far into the future in the last days. Oftentimes people say, well, Micah hasn't completed his prophecies. It hasn't happened yet. Yeah, but he's been right so far. And because it's the word of the Lord, it will always come to pass. God's word is true, and it's always true. He's, he's saying, okay, he's not dis- dismissing God's wrath at that time. He's basically saying, listen, you better take your medicine because you have been doing wrong and God is going to punish you for it. God's wrath is still going to happen, but it's not going to be forever. In fact, there will be a time when the nations will no longer be at war with one another. And he uses the expression, beating swords into plowshares. 
This is the exact opposite when we read Amos, when Amos is talking there's going to be war. He says, beat your plowshares into swords. This is God returning it back from a time of war, a time of disruption, to a time of peace because God is on the throne. In earth, on earth. And that's where we look at the anointed one, the Messiah. This is messianic language here. So, he is proclaiming news. It's not dismissing the punishment that is deserved for his people who have turned from him. But he is saying, this won't be forever. And then he gives the best news. And that's in chapter 5. First four verses. Marshal your troops now, city of troops, for a siege is laid against us. They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she is in labor and bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. Now this is messianic language. He's talking, God is going to come down. You have a ruler right now, and he'll be struck on the cheek or being insulted. I think, I think at this point, he's probably going to talk about Hezekiah because they get the siege laid around Jerusalem when the Assyrians come down. But... There's going to come a time, and a ruler is going to come out of um, Bethlehem, which also happens to be the hometown of a previous king, probably the greatest king of Israel at the time, that anybody, if you talk to me, David. David is from Bethlehem. And remember the promise that David was given. There's a Davidic covenant that God says, he tells David, because remember David says, I want to build a house for you. And God says, you don't need to build me a house. But because you have the desire to do that, I will make your house forever. And you, one of your offspring, farther down, will be king and he will rule forever. This is messianic language. They're talking about the anointed one. You have these other rulers that can sometimes they follow the Lord, sometimes they didn't. But this one will come directly from God and he will rule over all of his people. And it says it will extend to the ends of the earth. They're talking about Jesus. The Son of God. How do I know this? Because if we go to the Gospels, there's an amazing story about a group of men that came from the east, just like Assyria, just like Babylon, and they come to Jerusalem, and they have a question 
for the ruler at that time, King Herod. Let's go to Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east, or wise men, came from the east to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, Where's the Messiah was to be born? And they said, In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet has written. Guess which prophet has written? It's Micah. And he says, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. So we have a king in Jerusalem, King Herod, who is Jewish in really in name only. He was kind of he was, wasn't really a Jew. He wasn't practicing it by any stretch of the imagination. Killed many people. But they, the Magi think, thinks that everybody knows that the, the king of the Jews has been born. The Messiah is born. The anointed one has been born. They go, hey, where's he at? And they're like, what? What do you, what do you mean? And so they have to search the scriptures and they go, oh, it's, it's Bethlehem. Because, lo and behold, they have the prophet Micah in their scriptures. They have the prophet Micah in their scriptures because he was right 100% of the time. All these other prophets during the time that were saying, oh, nothing's going to happen to us because, you know what? God is with us. None of those sermons made it to scripture. None of them. Because Micah was proven true. Time and time again. All the prophets, since minor prophets that we're reading, the major prophets that we have read, are, are, are in there because everything they said that was going to happen has happened. Or is going to still happen. Especially when we talk about the, in the last days. In the latter days. That's why we know that he's coming again. One, because he said so. And two, because the Old Testament scriptures attest that this is going to happen. It's so interesting to look at and to see the minor prophets that, except for Jonah, when they shared the word of the Lord, they were ignored. They were despised. They were mistreated. Some were killed. Some were imprisoned because of what they had to say. But it was because they had to speak the word of the Lord and they didn't tell people what they wanted to hear. And Micah, through his vision of the future, knows 
that someone is coming. And it's not just going to be a good king. It's going to be God, the king, who is going to come. And the first time he came, as a lamb, a perfect lamb, to be slain. Because all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God. We are left wanting by our actions. We have all sinned. We have been separated from God from our sin. We are destined to be brought to wrath because of our rebellion against God. Every single one of us has rebelled against God and against His laws, against His rules. Listen, many of the things that God tells us not to do, and we do them anyway, they themselves are their own punishment. I mean, if you make drugs your God rather than God, you will eventually, not a question of if, it's a question of when, you will eventually either OD or make your body so bad that that's punishment. Right? If you decide that you are going to be a liar your whole life and not tell the truth, pretty soon no one will listen to you because you've proven to be a liar. And every time you open your mouth, you will be ostracized. It's a way that seems right to a man, but at the end leads to death. But there are times when God says, you have done this, there is going to be punishment. And ultimately, our rebellion against God is destined us for eternal damnation. That's the bad news. But the good news and the best news is God himself came down. And even though he was perfect, he was the blood sacrifice to pay for the sins of the entire world. When Jesus died on the cross, he knew exactly what he was doing. He knew why he was going to the cross. And he gave it freely. And he died. And in that death that paid the price of every sin that has ever happened and every sin that is going to continue to happen until there is no more sin. It's all paid for. All we have to do is accept that Jesus' death was enough and make him the Lord of our lives. Make him the king of our lives. Hey, President Biden may be our president at this time right now, but Jesus is our king. Amen? Amen. He's our king forever. And we can have a relationship with the creator of the universe because our sin has been removed. Paid for in full. In Corinthians it says this, He who knew no sin became sin so that we might be the righteousness of God. Since 
in the beginning of time, this has been God's plan. Since the day that Adam and Eve decided to rebel against God and say, well, I don't believe you, we're going to believe something else or someone else. He said, there's a plan. There's a plan that I myself am going to do what it takes to eliminate the barrier between man and creator. And that's what the Messiah has done. And so now we, as believers in Jesus Christ, we bring the good news, the great news, the best news. That even though we have sinned, even though we have missed the mark, God has paid that debt. He's taking care of all of the sin. We just must accept his death, burial, and resurrection. And make him the Lord and Savior of our lives. Does that sound like good news? Can you imagine being a prophet knowing that I have something to tell you? It's going to happen in the future, but I have that great news for you. Micah, standing on a corner, giving his sermon, giving the bad news, giving the good news, but let me tell you the best news. And we, in 2022, we still carry that good news. And we have to do it. We have to speak the good news. Because we have people walking around everywhere that don't know the good news. You know, we get the word evangelist or evangelism from the word Evangelio, Greek word, meaning you have a battle and you've won. Someone who comes and brings the good news, we have victory. That's some Evangelion. We are the ones that are bringing the good news. That is our job, to bring the good news to people. Now, I don't know if they're going to receive it the way... Micah's people did, maybe. Jesus warns it about that. You know, Jesus himself did the bad news, good news. In the upper room, before he goes to be betrayed, he tells the disciples, he goes, I'm going away, and where I'm going, you can't go with me. That's the bad news. The good news is, Holy Spirit's going to come. The good news is, I go to prepare a place for you. The good news is, you'll see me again. Guys, we need to be the bearers of great news. We need to. That needs to be our breath everywhere. And we need to share it. Regardless of the response. Think Micah cared what they responded to him? He just 
told the truth. God's word is always true. It's always true. People come, well, you know, this is just a bunch of made-up stories. I said, okay, which one? <laughs> which one's not true? Because, you know, there's constantly, just constantly told to be true. Proved to be true. We need me the bears the great news. Won't you stand? My friends, I love you. And you know what? We have not beaten our plowshares or our swords into plowshares yet. There's still war amongst us. We hear it on the news every day. But there's good news coming. This is only going to be for a temporary time. Jesus is coming. And he is going to call his own back to him. Father God, we come before you. We thank you and praise you for the great news that Jesus Christ. We wait for your return, but until you come, Lord, may we be continually sharing that great news with others. Help us, Lord, in this endeavor. Give us opportunities Give us strength and fortitude to open our mouths and to share that good news with people. Making an eternal destiny change about face instead of going to hell, being in heaven with God forever and with other believers. We are grateful, Lord, that you have given us this lifeline to return to you. Help us to do that. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.